So this morning, I'm going to be sharing on being a servant-hearted people. I know that you have been working around aspects of the gifts in the life of the church. So I'm coming from a different angle, and I'm really trusting that God's going to do something here in your midst. So I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. Scripture is the truest plumb line. It's not my ideas that matter. It's God's thoughts that count, really, at the end of the day. So scripture becomes your truest plumb line. So I'm going to ask the gent at the back there, if you can put up John 13, please, for me. And John 13, and we're going to read through from verses 1 to 17. So I'm going to give you a nice scriptural overdose this morning. Your antidote to all your issues is scripture. So um, it says, now before the feast um, of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now what my version says, it says here in the NIV, maybe have you got the NIV version for that? Can you just change it to NIV? Is it possible? If not, that's fine. Technology is a wonderful thing, eh? Is it okay? Is it possible? This is beautiful. I love it. Fantastic. Listen to this. Thank you so much at the back there. Well done. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, those are the disciples that were walking with him. They were in the world, not of the world, in the world. He now showed them the full extent of his love. This is a powerful thing. Can you say full extent of his love? Now, Let's see what he does. This is very powerful. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and his name is Jesus Christ. Listen to this. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now this morning, we're going to just stop there. If we can keep it up for me, please. I want to say to you that Jesus demonstrated something for you and I. He set an example. You know, I think sometimes we get so spiritual about things that we think that some of the practical things that we do in life don't actually matter. Actually, Jesus demonstrated that much of the practical things that we do are also spiritual and have a massive impact in the things of God. Can I say to you, the sound guys at the back there, honor you this morning. Do you know what it takes to set up a sound system on a Sunday morning, preparing the house that you and I can worship the Lord? It is a powerful thing. That is a menial task. And it's interesting that Jesus is going to demonstrate something that he would take the most menial task of everything and that he would actually start to wash the feet of his disciples. But he starts out, at a meal, 
And what he does is he starts to serve. I just have a quick question that I'd like to ask you this morning. How small is your towel? Or how big is your towel? Because there's power that comes from a heart that is open to serve the things of God. There's power that comes um, when we are open for God to actually serve us because that's what Jesus did. So the question this morning is, how big is your towel? We can open it up. How big is your towel to serve? I brought this cloth. How many of us have the cloth like this? Can't even keep it there. I think the guy in the kitchen must have thought I was weird when I came to fetch this out there. But how small is your towel? I think God wants this morning, he wants to open up something. He says, no, 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 that's not big enough. I want you to open up your heart more. No, that's not big enough. I want you to show the full extent of your love. And part of showing the full extent of your love is being able to open up your life and your heart and allow the king to come in that you could serve him wholeheartedly so that the kingdom of God can advance. That is showing the full extent of your love. When you are prepared to surrender yourself Sir and ma'am at the back on a sound system to serve the body, the kingdom of Christ. Because right now the word of God is going out. You will never know this side of, uh, of eternity, the impact that you've had just serving from there. And Jesus demonstrated that for us. So what happens is, he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? What? Stefan, gaan jy my voete was? Yay, the pastor. The problem is our mindset is we focus on the prominence of, of the person rather than seeing actually the heart of God. Is that is Stefan as the leader of this local congregation. He's a servant of the Lord. He's a brother. He's got a function to lead the congregation into the fullness that God has for her. And we see the demonstration here by Jesus. And he says, so he says, Simon Peter says, are you going to wash my feet? Moving on to the next verse. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. How many of us sitting here and saying, Lord, you know what? Let me first go and sort out my stuff. Let me go and do my thing. Before I come to you and allow you to wash me. The problem is with most of us, when we're caught up in religion and tradition, that's what we want to do. We want to fix ourselves first and say to Jesus, actually, you're not good enough to help me. You're not good enough for me. I will fix myself first and then I will come to you. Can I say to you this morning, and I cry out and I call out to you this morning and say, will you surrender yourself to Jesus? Because what he was doing here was not just a practical thing. Is He says, you actually need to allow me to wash over your sin. That's what this is, is all about. And, 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 and we need to learn to trust Jesus, not learn to depend on ourselves. Then, 
where we are now? It says, you shall, you shall not worship me. You see, you have no part in me. Then the Lord, Simon, then the Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Let's move on. Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, because he knew who was going to, who was going to betray him. Go back there. Go back one, thank you. For he knew he was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned to his place. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. Moving on. You call me teacher and Lord? And rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I... Go back one. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Next. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is his messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The first thing is we need to understand that Jesus needs to wash over our lives. We get saved. We get brought into the local church. He washes over our sin. He sets us free from from our sin. And, And Jesus, in essence, has served you and I because he chose to go to the cross and hang there. We sang that and pay a price for you that whoever would believe in him and trust in him would be saved. And from a place of being saved, he then says, I want you to demonstrate to the world and to those that are around you a servant heart where you would learn to die to self so that you could be a blessing to your brothers and beyond. That is the heart of the gospel. He died for your sins. You respond to the call of Jesus. I, I, I want to say to you, I come out of an area called Brackenfell. Can you live a Brackenfell? 95% of the people are Afrikaans. And I want to say to you, Afrikaans folk are one of the most sincere people on the planet. But you know what? When you grow up in religion and tradition, what happens is you, you, you become loyal to that thing. You know about Jesus, but you're not necessarily in a relationship with him. You need to die to self to say, Jesus, you are my savior. He is my redder. Ek das geen ander manier hoe ek kan gered word nie. Ten sê, ek by punt kom en sê, Jesus, ek het jou nodig, sal jy my herde en redde wees. You've got to respond. You've actually got to recognize your need of Jesus to be saved. And it's from that place that Jesus then starts to work in you and through you to serve his purposes going forward. Does that make sense to you guys? So with that, we need to ask ourselves some questions, and and we're going to look at some more scriptures. I'm going to go to Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so amongst you, but whoever would be great amongst you must be the servant, and whoever would be first amongst you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if you can go on to the next scripture, Luke twenty-two twenty-seven. 
For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? It is not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves. You know that it's a South African thing, that we will look down on our garbage men that do the dirt trucks and pick up our dirt, and we will look down on them and as to say, you're a low life. You, you actually have amounted to nothing. The kingdom of God turns that thing upside down, and he says the one that's reclining at the table isn't the one that's great. The one that's... That's coming and serving the purposes of that person. That's where greatness is. And the kingdom of God is what Jesus demonstrates. He says, if you want to be great in the things of God, if you want to be the greatest in terms of what God has for you, come with a heart to serve the purposes of God. Maybe could I suggest something to you as a community? When the next time your garbage guys come around to collect just think about the job that they have. In this heat, got to pick up your smelly dirt box. It's a heart of serving the community. If they were not there to serve you, imagine what our streets would look like. Imagine the health conditions that we would face as a community. But the heart here is that God is calling you as a people to humble yourselves and to turn things upside down and to say, I want to serve your purpose is God. I'm hoping this is making sense for some of you. We need to offer ourselves for the things of God. So some of you are sitting here this morning, and you're probably asking this question, well, what have I got to bring? What have I got to give? Who am I? Can I say to you this morning, I consider myself the Forrest Gump of ministry. Those of you who like the movie Forrest Gump, I'm nothing special. I'm a normal guy who was on a journey of trying to fulfill his own plans and purposes until Jesus broke into my life. And I want to tell you something. He's radically changed the way that I see things. I want to tell you something. When I gave my life to Jesus, it's actually quite strange that giving my life to Jesus, it seems like the gates of hell unleashed itself against me at different times. It's not come to Jesus and your life will be a bed of roses. Can I say to you, Jesus will come in and eichan in your sly krap. He's going to toss your salad. He's going to turn your life upside down. Because why? Because he wants to cut through the things of your life and line it back up with the things of God. That's how it works. So with that, I want to show you what Scripture says. Because every single one of you sitting here this morning needs to know that this is a divine appointment. Your being here, yes, you made a decision to come here this morning. Some would have made a decision not to be here this morning. Those are the choices that we have. But part of your being here, there's a drawing of God for a divine appointment for you with the Father this morning. And God has got something to say to you. And that he says to you, you have a role and a part to play in the greater picture, in his greater story. Going forward. So let's see what scripture says. 1 Peter 4 verses 7 to 11. Let's look at this. It says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Leon did not know what I was preaching this morning. Am I right? He didn't know. But what is his word that came from Matthew 13? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples for the love that you have for one another. Paraphrased. It says, 
keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers over a multitude of sins. Can I say to you this morning, as God brought you here as a gift into the life of this church, some of us may look at our brother or our sister and we'll go, yes, but do they know what kind of oak that is? What's the type of Macy say us? And so what happens is we look at everybody else and we start to compare. And we almost start to take the, the, the position of a judge to judge the person next to us. Could I ask this question this morning? If you take the measure in which you judge your brother or your sister, and God had to take that same measure and judge you, where would it leave us? You see, love covers over a multitude of sins. When we see a brother or a sister who has been touched by the king, who's been touched and changed by the gospel, our hearts move from a place of condemnation and judgment to a place of, God, you're amazing. Look at how you've touched my brother or my sister. When I see Mario, uh, I'm just so amazed in a year what God has done with the guy since we last saw him. He's just so passionate about the things of God. And so we can find the faults with one another, but can we allow the love of God towards you and I that covers over our sin the way that God does it? And let me say to you, God does not tolerate sin. He hates it. But there's something about God that his love would still be poured out over us. And in the same way, he wants you to demonstrate that to the person next to you. And it's often outworked by the way that we serve and what we bring. So moving on there, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory, dominion forever and ever. We can keep that there. So this, this is where I, I, I start to look at this and I say to you, Each one of you has something to bring. But it starts with a heart of love. Firstly, with a love for God. And then that automatic flow will become a love for one another. As I said, many folk next to you will have their issues and their faults. But be reminded that so do you and I. And we need to remind ourselves how God looks at us. And how he chooses us and how he works with us. And in the same way, he wants us to work well with others. We need to appreciate the gift in other people. And it's important for you to be able to look at the folk that are putting up the sound system, the guys that had served in the back there. Appreciate the team that is up here. Some of them get here early in the morning to prepare and get their hearts right and ready to lead us into deeper worship. Appreciate their gifts, their talents and abilities. Appreciate the resources that God gives some of us. And don't compare or get jealous, yarlus, if that's the right word. Say, God, thank you for that gift. But I feel like God wants to unlock something here with the the team here. I feel in this church, there's what we call a latent gift. Now, in real estate, I have a real estate company back home. There's what we call patent and latent defects. A patent defect is if I walk in and I see there's a hole in the wall. That's a picture I can see there's a hole in the wall. But a latent defect right now for me would be like that board that is over there. Actually, the defect is there's a glass window there. And maybe there's there's a hole in the window. But I can't see it because it's being covered up. 
And what I feel for some of you here, you're sitting with your latent gifts. Met Anavura, God has given you a gift that he actually wants you to use to serve his purposes, to serve in this local church so that God can work through this local church, not only into the community, but into the surrounds, into our cities, into this nation and nations of the world. But some of us are sitting on our gifts. Some of us are sitting on our talents and our abilities and our resources. And God wants to unlock that this morning. So I've got a picture that I want to show you this morning. I believe you're a gift to this church. Not because of who you are, but because of who Christ is in you. Now you might ask me, why did I bring this? So I've got three gifts that are very important to me. I want to show you how important they are to me. The first gift that I have is this NIV Bible that was given to me by this beautiful lady here, which is my wife. I've known her for 32 years. 32 years ago when I met her, she was 15 years old. Met Anna in English, we used to say she was jailbait. All right, I was 19, she was 15. All right, when I met her, she gave her life to the Lord, I think it was in the May of 1988. That's right. I gave my life to the Lord in the June of 88. But her gift to me was this NIV study Bible. This Bible, I don't think you can find today on the shelves. It is an incredibly helpful Bible. The footnotes are amazing. If somebody said to me, what is the most amazing gift practically that you've been given? There it is. And, and, and ostrich, <laughs> and ostrich leather, that's right. <laughs> there we go. So there's that gift. Then you guys heard, this is a poiki, poiki holder. Now this was given to me by my mother-in-law. Now some of you will look at this and say, what is it forget me Because when I got this thing, I actually still looked at it and I go, what is this for? But the most amazing thing is, this is one of the most practical gifts that I've ever received. You know, you can open up a pot without burning your fingers. You can put it on the side, do your thing. When you're finished, you just change everything around, hook it, and you can walk away with your pot and take it to the the, the area that you're going to go and eat. And then the last gift that I have is this watch. Last year, can you believe it, I turned 50. I know I don't look a day older than 35, but... But I've got this watch, and I do mountain biking. It's a Garmin 245 Forerunner. It, it takes your heartbeat right now. If I push this button, I should be able to tell you what my heartbeat was. Let's just see. Uh, 92 beats per minute. You know, it's, it reminds me, when I'm on a ride, some of the guys will say to me, yes, I could, my heart is beating so fast, and we're riding really quick. And I'll say to them, man, the only time my heart beats fast is when I look at my wife. And they all go, oh, that is so cheesy. <laughs> so you might be saying, okay, what's this all about? Now, let me tell you something about these three gifts. This is how simple it is. These gifts are useless if I don't unpack them and use them. So I want to say to you this morning, if you're sitting here on your gifts, you actually are not counting for God. And God actually wants to unlock that thing. There are aspects of your life that God has brought you to this place. He has released practical spiritual gifts over people, but you need to unpack them and you need to use them. Otherwise, they're ineffective. 
God didn't bring you here to sit on a chair and fill this place. He brought you here, firstly, to fall in love with him and then to serve his greater purposes. I, I'm, I'm asking you today, are you ready to be used by God? And you know what? You're going to make mistakes. You're not going to always know how to use the thing properly, but we've got grace. That's why your leaders are here, your common group leaders are here, to help you as you journey on in the things of God. I'd rather you make mistakes than not have a go at all. That's what I've learned over the years. All right, we're going to start to somehow land this thing. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Go on to the next line. If you get stuck, I'll go back to my Bible. Okay, go back one. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. Okay, not a, not a transmash. I'll read it from you. Okay. So to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same spirit who apportion to each one individually as he wills. So this morning you need to know that God has given each one of us something here. We saw the prophetic flowing here this morning. We saw the words coming. Actually, God has released that year already. It's about you stepping into it. So where are we going from here? This is where the moment of faith comes in. If you can go to Matthew 14, verses 17 to 19. This is the encouragement that I believe God has for you. Matthew 14, 17 to 19. If you guys are struggling there, it's not a train smash, all right? So they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. This is where Jesus is going out and he's going to feed the 5,000. And what happens is the people have been following him for three days. They're hungry and Jesus starts to test the disciples. And the most amazing thing is uh, what happens is there's a little boy who has two fish and five loaves. And the disciples are saying, we don't have enough money to feed all of these people. And even if we did, uh, it would cost us so much. We'd have to go and get all of this stuff. And actually, we'd probably run out of time. So what, what does Jesus do? He's testing them. And then Jesus demonstrates something. And then he says, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. The Bible, my NIV says, and he gave thanks. Then he broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And the Bible says that they picked up 12 baskets after that. What is the point of this story? I wonder how many of us would have ever thought of that little boy when he woke up that morning and he was just walking along with his basket and would say, Do fissies and, and the five bruikies. And I wonder if he had ever imagined that at some point he would cross the path of Jesus and then Jesus would pull off one of the most miraculous miracles ever. Do you know the Bible says 5,000 people were fed, but it says men. And then it goes, and women and children. Actually, this miracle 
constituted approximately 15,000 people that were fed. Listen, 15,000 on two fish and five loaves. Try and do the maths in your head. What is the lesson for you and I? That little boy did not know how God was going to use that to impact the world. Can I say to you, as small as your gift is, bring it. Because if you come with a heart filled with faith, perhaps God will touch it, anoint it, and multiply it. We, we stand back, but my gift doesn't compare to that guitarist. Or I, I, I can't serve like the person does at the back there. Can I say to you, be front-footed. Come, present what you have, and perhaps God will do what he needs to do with it. You be faithful with what you bring. Let God do the rest. Is this helping you guys? So with that, give yourself to serving in the life of the church. Come to your leaders. Man, can I say to you, sometimes we just need to put our hands to something. Some of you need to pull in along the sound guys. Some of you need to say, listen, I might not be over the comm group that's on duty, but can I help in the kitchen? Can I serve over there? Start there. Can I tell you that none of us are that good that we don't need to do some of the menial tasks. We are happy to do that because ultimately we're preparing the house for when people come so that the gospel can be preached and people's lives can be touched and changed. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31. And we're starting to wind down here. Now you are the body of Christ. Look at the person and say to them, you are the body of Christ. Left and right. So there we go. You are the body of Christ, individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles... Are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? The answer is no, not everybody. Moving on to the next one. Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? It's interesting, at that given point, God has given you a unique gift. We can't do everything. That's the most amazing thing about the things of God. Some might have a gift of healing, but others might be anointed to go deeper into that gift of healing where there would be miracle healings. Don't compare. Just bring what you have. Let God work with it. But then it goes on and says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show, and, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And there, the higher gifts is the gift of prophecy. But the most amazing thing is, when we go into 1 Corinthians 13, it says that we've got to work with a heart of love. Can I say to you this morning, you can come with all your gifts, all your talents, all your abilities, all your resources. But if we do not have a heart of love, it simply is just good works. So we need to be captivated by his love. And then we need to have a love for one another that will flow because of what he's doing in us. And it's done because we love the Lord and we love our brothers and sisters. Can I say to you this morning, don't underestimate your contribution to this local church and what God wants to do with you here. The church is not here for you. You are here for the church because God has brought you here to serve his purposes. The person on your left, the person on your right, can I say to you that you and I are in need of those people. 
We need Jesus first. We are dependent on Jesus and we're interdependent on one another. So what are some of the practical ways we can serve? Firstly, we can strengthen our brothers. Luke twenty-two thirty-two. if we can put that one up. And this is where uh, Luke is writing. He says, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Do you know that when you come on a Sunday morning, when you attend a comm group, do you, you know that as a gift that you are there to encourage your brothers and to strengthen them? You strengthen them through your faith. You strengthen them through your circumstances and your scenarios. And you strengthen them when they see what God is busy doing in and through your life. We are there to encourage one another. We can pray with one another. We can pray for one another. We can prophesy over each other. We can make a meal, help tidy a garden, give a lift, whatever that might mean. Help prepare the house on a Sunday morning for those that are still to come in. So that when families arrive here, the home is ready for them. And that God, ultimately through that, will be glorified. One of the things that I want to encourage you with this morning, it is amazing to walk in and have virtually everything ready. Can I say to you, that's worship unto God. God is worshipped when our hearts are right to say, God, we do this because we want to be ready for you and what you want to do in our midst. Can I say to you another way that you can be a gift is use your home to bless others with hospitality. Thank you, Oatsrun, for being such a blessing to the team that have come up here. You guys have served us well. And if you're not sure how to serve, ask. And then lastly, I want to ask you to put up Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I said earlier on, you've got to give yourself. That's your sacrifice. God, here I am. I'm a frail, weak individual, but I give you my life. Ultimately, when we say, Lord, in our weaknesses, we offer ourselves to you, that's like the Buddhavos Brai. That's what God loves. And he says, hey, my son, my daughter, I know that you're weak. I know that you're frail. He says, but when you offer yourself, this is a living sacrifice. This is what pleases me. This is what is worship to me. And it's like the burivos, the, the, the scent that comes up into the father's nose. That's what he sees when we offer ourselves. And then it goes on, verses 4. Verses 4 to 9. For as in one body we have many members, are you all members? We are many members, say many members. And the members do not all have the same function. Have I not said that? We all operate differently. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Can you say one body in Christ? And individually members one of another. Oh, my hat. Isn't scripture powerful? We are interdependent on one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, next one. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, let love be genuine, Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. I want to end off with this. It is God's grace 
that allows you and I to serve. Be humble. Come with what you've got. Don't compare. And I want to encourage you. Serve well in your area of influence. Serving in the church done without a heart surrendered to Jesus is good works. This is not enough. I believe Jesus wants you and I to be totally surrendered to him as he works in us. He starts to work through us for the glory and the honor of his name.